Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. Welcome back to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast Divisional Series, where we're now going to be talking about the NFC East. On the first episode, we talked about the AFC East, and that was a lot of fun. So we're going to keep these rolling, uh, do one obviously for every division in the league, and kind of break down these teams. Uh, I am Kent Wyra, guest hosting for this series, uh, back with the crew as we used to do. And uh, I'm joined by Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that rap you just dropped without even knowing that you were <laughs> yeah. it, perhaps. Can on the beats over here. <laughs> uh, not that it surprises me to have such excellent, you know, hosting skills coming out just willy-nilly from your mouth. Yes, uh, I am, I'm very <laughs> excited to have Kent back on the show here dropping those beats as Okada said there uh yeah man doing great excited to be back with you boys tonight get the band back together for a little bit of a divisional talk here and we're gonna be talking about my team so I love talking about the Eagles so I can't wait to get to it Mm. uh yeah we will be talking about your team but uh as we did the first episode we are gonna start from the bottom of the NFC East so let's go ahead and kick it off right away and let's talk about the New York Giants Last year they went five and eleven. They had you know sensational rookie running back Saquon Barkley. Uh, he's really solid. You know OBJ has been traded uh, to the Cleveland Browns. There's been a lot of action going on with the Giants. So let's kind of start with them at the quarterback position. Um, Ew. Well, to put it plainly, yeah, yeah, you about summed it up. That's that's pretty much accurate. The, the Giants uh, selected Jan- Daniel Jones in this year's draft uh, very early on, and to be honest, to the shock of many analysts and fans alike, Eli Manning is still in the building, likely for another year. Uh, let, let's kind of talk about it in, in a similar vein to how we talked about Fitzpatrick and Rosen on the last episode. How many games do you think Eli Manning will start before the rookie comes into play? So this is a situation for me that's a bit different. I think the rookie in uh, in Miami is what we were talking about. The second-year player, I should say, in Rosen, uh, is going to play more than the rookie here in New York in Daniel Jones. Uh, for whatever reason, this team just will not let Eli Manning go away. I think Eli starts 11 games. I think Daniel Jones starts 6. Um, so I do think he gets an opportunity at some point this season. I just don't think that the team really turns to him until much later in the year. Yeah, I have almost the same thing, pretty much flip-flop from that Miami setup where I've got uh, Eli for 11 and Jones for six, for five. No, six. Math is hard. Five. That's That sounds like the right number of NFL games. Yes, yes. 11 and five. That will not be their <laughs> record, by the way. I can assure well, you that. I was going to say, well, if you're going by games played, I suppose it could go over 16 if there's a split game. But on games started, uh, it does have to add up to 16. So, anyway... um. I kind of agree with you from a likelihood standpoint. However, how many games should Daniel Jones start this year? Zero point zero. Zero. Zilch, nada, nothing, goose egg. Pick any negative phrase you would like. Daniel Jones does not deserve uh, probably to be an, a starting NFL quarterback, if I'm being real blunt with you guys. Oh, but if, 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 there's a, if there's a chance that he ever becomes one, it's not going to involve him starting this year. It just... That's that's not the game plan. He's got a lot of stuff to work on in his game. He's he's built like a prototypical QB, and that's about where the positive attributes stop uh, from my perspective. So I don't want him to start for it. You know, if I'm relying on any Giants fantasy players this year, I don't want Daniel Jones to start. I want Eli Manning to start. And that in, a, in and of itself should tell you how sad this situation is for the Giants this year. Yeah, and actually... To speak to that, Kent, you know, I was looking at the projections for this team and basing it off of uh, kind of their offensive, you know, standpoint in terms of where they ranked in the league. Last season with Eli Manning, they were actually 16th in the league in scoring, which was shocking, in my opinion, to find that out. Um, and now I have them projected for 31st in the league because I think Daniel Jones gets starts and I think it's a train wreck. So I agree with you. If we're talking about, you know, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, 
Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram as the the only guys we really want in fantasy. Uh, I hope Eli Manning starts more than 11 games as Okada and I have projected. Yeah, and so in in relevance to that, I want to talk about Barkley at the end um, because I have an interesting take on him. But Mm. talking about the receivers, we have to at least talk about the fact that they're all dying. I mean, they're just falling like flies right now. Uh, Golden Tate got a four-game suspension. Uh, Sterling Shepard has a fracture, I believe, in his hand or thumb. One of those two. Yep, in his thumb. Uh, we we can get, yeah, we can get Betts's reaction. To all these here in a second, and then um, uh, um, Corey Coleman. What's the other one? The other, yeah, thank you. Corey Coleman just tore his ACL and will be out for the year. Not that he's like a top-flight name or anything, but he's one of few names on the team, so it's gonna matter at least a little bit. Betts, let's let's swing over to you. Tell me. Do you think that Sterling Shepard, is this going to be something that affects him into the season? No, this is not going to be a situation that really affects him much at all. Uh, the fracture that he's dealing with is in the the very most distal tip of his thumb. So it's kind of right underneath your nail. Uh, not oh, a big deal at all. Tip. Yeah, right, right, right underneath the tip. <laughs> not a big deal at all in terms of his performance on the field, at least for a few weeks. Expect him to be out, but once week one gets here... I'm confident he'll be out there. It'll mostly be a pain tolerance issue for a couple of weeks, but it shouldn't be a huge concern for him in terms of performance uh, and his ability to play as early as week one. So for me, uh, not a big deal. I do got to say, Betts, um, very fantasy relevant comment here. I've heard you say a lot of medical terms, and I think distal tip is the first one that I've never heard before. <laughs> what is what? Oh, man. So, yes. So let me clarify. Uh, the most... the most point that's furthest away from the attachment of your thumb as i said under the nail so (laughs) that is the distal tip of your thumb also called the distal phalanx which is much nerdier did uh, did you say phalanx (laughs) phalanx (laughs) oh my lanta which is why i didn't say that because i thought you guys would make fun of me I get it. Distal is like distance, the furthest distance, right? That sounds right. Yes. I'm gonna go and with that. If we need a, a PT at my clinic, I'll be sure to let them know you're up for the. Up for yeah, the give me my oh, give me my resume. We'll we'll get that going. Um, no, anything medical, I say, please ignore it. Um, so talking about these receivers with, well, let's just assume Golden Tate's suspension stands. I I think he's appealing it right now. Um, so that might come down, but let's just assume it's four games. Is he still? Well, is is he still draftable? You take him in the teens right now with that with that suspension. In a PPR league, I probably would. Yes, um, I think there's a decent chance that for the games he plays, he and Shepard basically split the lead work or the lead role. Um, and I honestly trust him probably a little bit more to be an effective player. He's been very very good, especially after the catch. So if Eli and Daniel are just dumping little things to him two yards away. He can actually do something with that, kind of like Saquon did last year. Um, so he, yeah, he can have some value, it, but it's it's very late and it's only in a PPR probably. Anything less than that, and I'm just gonna look for him on waivers later. I'd say. Real quick, Okada, did you adjust your projections right now as they stand with the four game suspension factored in? You know, uh, I believe that I did, but I still have him at 82 targets, which seems pretty high for only 12 games, so I may have to double-check that. I do know that I updated, though, because I have TJ Jones in the roster uh, who they signed from the Lions after losing 17 mm. wide receivers. So, Gotcha. Sure. Yeah, I, I currently have them uh, projected without having that four-game suspension in there. I think I do need to adjust it, but um, I did put, you know, put it as if he was going to miss probably one or two games. If we go based off what the NFL does, you know, where these players appeal and then it gets knocked down, uh, that could certainly change. So I want to let our listeners know, you know, personally for me, this is going to be a fluid situation for his projection because obviously if he's if he's not out there for four games, as Kent Nakata said, it definitely changes how we look at him in terms of fantasy. Um, I don't know that I honestly will draft him if he's out for four games. I just think that there's so many other wide receiver two, three players out there that I would rather have than Golden Tate in a bad offense. Um, and if he's not out there for four games, I think that takes him off my draft board. Yeah, and then, so back to Sterling Shepard real quick. Uh, I see bets. You have him projected up at 800 yards, which is a pretty pretty decent season, all things considered. Um, how How likely do you think it is that he can be like a top wide receiver three? I mean, is that... Is he going to step up and be the one now that OBJ is gone and Tate's kind of aging and a slot player? and Or, or how do you feel about that? 
Yeah, I think I think he definitely can be. I mean, it's in the realm of possibility. Do I think he will be? Not necessarily. I mean, Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate are, are both possession guys. They're both slot receivers. So I don't like see a scenario where at the end of the year, you're really happy with Sterling Shepard on your team. I think he's okay as a wide receiver three. But honestly, for me, uh, and I probably need to adjust my rankings based off saying this, for me, I would much rather have Evan Ingram because I do see a scenario where he is the team's wide receiver one, even though he doesn't play the wide receiver position. Yeah, I mean... I don't know if you meant it this way, Betts, but I would rather have Evan Ingram if, like, I was just filling a flex position between the two. Yeah. Let alone the fact that he plays tight end. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, Ingram for sure is the target for me on this team. Um, And I guess we can get to that. I love him. Uh, After the the bit of loss that they're going to have in targets for for a few games, um, I think he's going to soak up most of that potentially. And he, it it's funny because in my projections overall or in my rankings, he's going to end up as my tight end four, which doesn't sound that you special because he's pretty much the four or five for most people. But if you look at my fantasy points, I basically have him in the same tier as Kittle and Ertz now. So I think he cracks that tier and makes it a, a tier, a second tier of three behind Kelsey. Yeah, uh, that's a good transition because. I think he's, you know, between like him, uh, O.J. Howard, Hunter Henry, he's in that second big tier of guys who could really step up this year. I, I, I'm i in complete agreement with that. If you can fill out, you know, like two or three running backs, two or three wide receivers, and then get Engram, you've got a really solid start to your draft, and I think he's going to be reliable purely from a volume standpoint. They might not be the world's best targets, but uh, with any kind of PPR involved, he's going to have relevance, so... Uh, big fan of Engram this year. I think he has a chance to kind of step up in the wake of, of Odell Beckham, probably more than any of the receivers, to be perfectly honest. Definitely. Yeah, I think I, I like the idea of Evan Ingram. Like I said, I, I think he might lead this team in you know, every, every receiving category. Um, but for me, I think it honestly just comes down to draft price. If he somehow sneaks up into at the earliest round four, probably round five I think at that price I'm probably out on Ingram because of how much talent is left on the board I would rather go after a guy a a round or two later uh, honestly or just wait but yeah I mean if he hits and you you take him there and he ends up as a top three tight end um, it definitely could pay dividends so Okada you're projecting him to finish there would you go in on Ingram at his current ADP um who yes I think I would because I've been okay with Ertz and Kittle in the third round, and since I basically have Ingram just behind them now, basically in their tier, getting him in the fifth or sixth, certainly in the sixth, but even in the fifth or late fourth, I think I would be okay with that. I think I would be happy to get a guy that I feel like is going to be a locked and loaded heavy producer at the position without paying up like we have to now for Ertz and Kittle. So the only way I'd get off of him, I think, is if he climbed into the high fourth or late third. All right, and then kind of tailing up this, I, I want to talk about this real quick. Saquon Barkley, you guys haven't projected for an awesome season. I don't doubt that he's going to have an awesome season. However, I think with how bad this offense is starting to look and the possibility of Daniel Jones starting and that maybe they won't have any receivers playing, that defenses are going to key in on Saquon Barkley in every way possible and that his season could suffer because of it. Maybe be a little bit closer to 1,000 rushing yards. Um, maybe he's not going to have as much yards after the catch because they're going to have two like uh, secondary guys always having a spy on him and always covering him every single play. I don't doubt it. Last year, he saw less percentage of eight men in the box than guys like Marlon Mack, Lamar Miller, I- I- Elijah McGuire, Matt Breda. I mean, like there's tons of, of average guys that he had less stacked boxes against him and so this year I could see that number jumping up it was at 22.9 percent last year could probably go into the low 30s this year uh, with how their offense is shaping up right now I think defenses are going to just stop Saquon Barkley that's the only thing you have to do and then this offense will stall out are you guys afraid of that at all um I would say yes a little bit in fact this is a good point because it's going to probably remind me to adjust Barkley's efficiency a little bit in the in the negative direction with the way that things are trending. I had him still being very, very good on the ground and through the air, and this might hurt just a little bit. 
I mean, it's four games, so it's not going to be massive. Um, I don't think Coleman makes much of a difference, but it certainly doesn't help. For me, though, he does pick up a little bit of the target share over that span, so I have him right now leading the team in targets and receptions with 136 and 95 catches, and that's still enough to, to keep him in the top five, top four even. In fact, projections-wise, top two for me. So it, it, that could come down a little bit, I think, um, if I adjust the efficiency perhaps, but his pass-catching ability is going to be rampant this league. He could challenge Christian McCaffrey's season from last year where he, he set the reception record even. Yeah, the, the passing down work there I think really is is what this is all about. Um, could the rushing attack suffer? Yeah, definitely. It, it definitely could. Um, but there's going to be enough check down from Eli Manning. We saw that a bunch last year. Um, and in any PPR format, obviously that adds a ton of value. And looking at this depth chart from the wide receiver position, I mean, we just talked about those two guys there. I'm not excited about either of those. I think Barkley is their best receiver. You know, I'll just I'll just say that there. Um and because of that, I think he, he's a lock to finish inside the top five or six. So I'm definitely comfortable with my projection there at two. Like Okada said, maybe I, I bump down my efficiency a little bit and it brings him down a notch or two. But uh, I don't see how he doesn't finish there because of receiving alone. Yeah, he'll have volume. That's That cannot be doubted at this point. Uh, I am just really worried that he's going to get smoked on every single play. But I'd love to be wrong. Let's go ahead and swing on over to the second team, uh, second from the bottom in the standings last year. Washington Redskins were 7-9 and nine somehow. <laughs> and this year, uh, let's talk about all their fantasy-relevant players. <laughs> um, God, who do you – who – I don't even know how to phrase this question. Is there any player – from the Washington Redskins that you actually want on your fantasy team this year? No, is the actual answer to that question. There is not a single player here that I want on my fantasy team. Are there a couple players that I might accept on my fantasy team? If they fall to me, yes. If I punt tight end, I probably will go in on Jordan Reed again and hope that he somehow stays healthy and that these quarterbacks like him a little more than Alex Smith did. Um... And I'm, I'm a little bit interested in Chris Thompson in a PPR league. In half PPR, it's even less interesting, so pretty much hardly anything there. So, yeah, that's about it, Kent. I don't got anything else for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we can honestly probably just keep this entire team <laughs> segment pretty short. Um, there's no one from any position that I am targeting in my draft. I will say that, like Okada said, if I'm in the very, very late rounds of my draft... And I've already taken a defense. <laughs> I've already taken a kicker. <laughs> then sure, if Chris Thompson falls to me, then I'll, I'll take a swing. Um, if you're absolutely punting the tight end position and you plan to stream anyway, you could do worse than Jordan Reed. Obviously, we've seen it before with him. So the, the question is always health. Um, but when he gets the ball, he's he's effective. So I don't know that it matters a ton because I think the team is going to be uh, quite bad in 2019. <laughs> but... If you're giving yeah. me one guy that if I say, okay, I'll accept you on my roster, it's Jordan Reed. Um, maybe this maybe this will help a little bit. It, it, maybe we can talk for a second about the things that could happen, and maybe we'll be more relevant from a dynasty perspective. And there's, I think there's two here that stand out to me. One is, it seems like Darius Geis might be able to play this year for a decent amount right now, the, the way that things are looking. And it... it I don't think he's going to take over from Adrian Peterson because they signed him to a two-year deal and he was great last year. And I think we actually forget that he's literally one of the greatest running backs of all time. Somehow we've, I mean, he's old for sure, but he's incredible or has been. Um, so there's a small chance though that guys at some point this season does to take maybe just slightly a step past AP or if AP gets injured, takes over entirely. I still don't think that helps too much because this offense is going to be so bad that I don't really want the running back there. But maybe that will improve over time from a dynasty perspective. And then the one other one that I will mention is Terry McLaurin slash Trey Quinn. One of these guys could be interesting, especially in PPR for Trey Quinn, because it sounds like he's locked down the slot role there. He was Mr. Irrelevant uh, last two, two drafts ago, if you guys don't remember. I actually like him. Um, so if there's somehow 
he becomes the number one target hog on that team, which I don't really see happening. But if it were to happen, maybe he could have some PPR value. And then Terry McLaurin went to the same school as Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State, and they've already talked up the chemistry there. Um, there was a quote this week where Haskins basically said, uh, well, when everyone's out there running routes, I know where Terry McLaurin's going to be. I don't know where everyone else is going to be yet, but I know where he's going to be because we have that chemistry. And there's a chance that he ends up being the best receiver on this team even this year. Now, that doesn't mean much because, in fact, I have him projected as the best, and that's only 546 receiving yards. So, is uh, not very useful, but it's just a, something to pull, throw out there, I guess. Yeah, it's, God, it's really gross. Um, I think all the receivers are kind of decent late round best ball targets, and that's about the best I can give you on that. I don't want to. I don't want to draft any of them in a redraft. I don't want any of them in dynasty. Maybe Trey Quinn. That'd be the only one I think. Well, Terry, you kind of get swung me a little bit on Terry, but um, still really low value. I wouldn't go out and get him real hard. It just like if he's on the waivers, I'd I'd pick him up. But that's about it. Uh, as for the running backs, uh, the best bets Darius guys. Um. In my opinion, Adrian Peterson, well, he's playing for the paycheck to pay off his debts now, so mm, he's oh, going to try and stay on the field as much as possible. But I, I don't think he's got enough left in the tank to hold off Darius Geis, who I think a lot of people have kind of forgotten about a little bit. I mean, there's a little bit of scary news about him possibly not being healthy, but then he said he's full go for camp, and uh, given any competition, I believe he can win. So I, I'd imagine he'd probably be the best bet i don't know if i want to draft him at cost yet though that's the biggest problem for me yeah i i i have to talk you know talk up here and i have to talk about the injury because that's the question with darius geis i think we're all on board he's a talent uh he's a good running back but we have to go off of what has happened over the course of his nfl career let's not forget he has not played more than i think a half of preseason football in the nfl um, he hasn't really had a full training camp. He doesn't really know what it takes to be an NFL running back yet. I do like his talent. And so for Dynasty, yes, buy low on this guy because I think he's going to struggle this year. Uh, obviously, the ACL surgery uh, in August of last year. So he's about a, a year removed. But we can't forget the infection adds a complication to the surgery where he couldn't really train as if someone else could have without an, effect, an infection for a few months. So it delays, you know, uh, muscle growth. It delays muscle strength. It delays your ability to start plyometrics such as jumping and, and running and cutting. Um, it delays everything. So, you know, we always say on the pod here, I'm, I'm a very pr- big proponent of it. it takes at least a year to really get back to being yourself. We have to push that timeline back for Darius Geis. We just have to. So, He's not going to be himself the player that he was at LSU um, for the first month of the season at least. So I think people drafting him as if nothing really went wrong for him are going to be very disappointed because I know for a fact uh, that he's going to struggle the first part of the year. I still love the guy's talent. He's a fun player to root for, so I hope he gets right. But you know, for fantasy, we, we have to really remember it's going to be the year 2020 when Darius Geist truly lives up to the hype. Uh, I just I pulled up his uh, ADP really quick, and he's going in the late sixth round in the Coleman, Penny, Henderson, Latavius range. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, that's maybe kind of where he belongs. The only difference being... I think with most of those guys, you're going to know right away if they're going to be contributors. And to Betts' point, I think guys could be a contributor at some point, but it might not be for a while, and you're going to want, end up yeah. wanting to drop him. So that's the main issue there. Um, yeah, the ADP makes it tough. If if I'm if I'm starting running back heavy, uh, I let's say I take like three running backs in the first six, five six rounds. If I can get him maybe like early seventh as my fourth running back. Then I think I'll I'll consider it, um, just because there's a lot less risk involved. You're not relying on him, uh, and there's a lot of upside if he becomes their starter. I, well, maybe not so much in the Washington offense, but it, there's at least uh, some starter quality uh, potential there. So I don't know. He, like I he I agree with you guys. It's pretty sketchy at his cost right now, but uh, worth talking about for his talent. But uh, I think that's enough about the Redskins. I think we've tortured our listeners enough. So let's. <laughs> Let's go ahead and do our sponsor. Yeah, absolutely. This episode is brought to you by our good friends over at the Fantasy Footballers. Uh, I still write for those guys. Okada, you used to write for those guys. 
And Kent, you used to write for those guys. So uh, we yep. love Andy, Mike, and Jason. We are very excited to partner with them and their fantastic Ultimate Draft Kit. The UDK is the premier tool in the industry. Um, it's guaranteed to help you dominate your draft. In the Draft Kit, you get their projections, their rankings, sleepers, breakouts, bust, and Matt Harmon's exclusive reception perception, not to mention uh, yours truly, Injury Report. Um, and mm. it, it's, it's just a tool that you've got to have if you want to win your draft. So head on over to redshirtsudk.com and use code redshirts to get 10% off your order today. All right. Well, let's swing on over to the Philadelphia Eagles. Two years removed from a, a championship. Betts' team, uh, uh, big fan over year. there. So we know he's <laughs> he's going to hype them up a lot. But um, yeah, starting in the quarterback position, Carson Wentz looking to have a good year here, uh, in my opinion. I think you guys both agree based on your projections. You both have him around 4,400 yards and 33 touchdowns maybe about 10, 11 interceptions. That sounds like a pretty solid season. I'd be very happy uh, if he delivered that to me. But I think there's room for maybe more. Um, tell me, guys, what how you feel about Wentz this year. Yeah, I mean, I'll jump in here even though I'm not the number one fan. First of all, it's difficult that they lost their real starting quarterback, obviously. You stop uh, it. Their, their true winner. No, um, no, no, no. <laughs> but... No, this is Wentz is really interesting for me because I finished these numbers and I was like, wow, 4,400 yards and 32 touchdowns? That That is real good. I'm going to want him all over the place. And to speak to the state of the quarterback position, that basically ties with Baker Mayfield for me for 11th in the quarterback projections. And I want to get Wentz up higher than that because I really do believe, I think, I agree with you, Kent, that there's potentially room for more, especially if he stays healthy. But... I can't ever all these guys above him. I really, really trust as well. So I, I really like him. I think he's a great pick in your, in your fantasy draft. If he falls to the right place, um, I wouldn't try to go in on him too early just because I believe in a lot of other guys, but he has a ton of upside for sure. Yeah. And you know, I'll, I'll jump in real quick and just kind of give you my rundown here. Okada and I pretty much projected Wentz almost the exact same in terms of his passing output. The area that we differ and the reason that I'm so high on Wentz this season is because of the rushing attack. Uh, in the the year that he was an MVP candidate in 2017, he was on pace for 79 rush attempts. Uh, and last season, coming off of the ACL and the LCL tear, obviously his mobility was, was really affected. He only was on pace for, I think off the top of my head, it was 49 attempts, and he didn't even play in 16 games, obviously. Um so I projected him for 70 rushing attempts. I think that adds a lot of value to him where you look at other guys in that 5 to 12 range of, of quarterback, and I think it just gives him a slight bump up on top of his passing. So uh, I love Carson Wentz, and, and obviously you know we're going to talk all about the weapons, but the weapons surrounding him I feel like have to elevate him. So uh, I'm all in on Carson Wentz this season. He was my bounce back candidate a few episodes ago, and I'm going to stick to that moving forward here. So uh, give me Carson Wentz, especially at his ADP. Where does he fall in the projections for you, Monkey? So my projections, yeah, my projections, he currently would rank, uh, I believe it is quarterback, let me pull it up, quarterback five in terms of total points. Uh, I did not rank him there because I think that you know, given other names around that area, obviously Deshaun Watson, um, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, like you said. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> there's other guys that I love the upside of, uh, and I would rank them all pretty close to one another. So I think I have him right now ranked as QB6, but um, my projections have him as five. So I would definitely be willing to take him right now at his current price. Kent, you have not yeah. been around since the draft, really. I don't know how much you've heard. Are you aware of how obsessed with Kyler Murray I am? Oh, yes. Okay, oh, good. My God. All right, just yeah, making sure. All, I think I heard you yelling from my house about <laughs> Kyler Murray. You just, it's, it's impossible to ignore it. No, I, I, and it's, there's a reason to be excited, but um, we'll, get to we'll that. save some Cardinals talk, yes, yep. for the separate show. Um, Anyway, I love Carson Wentz. Sounds like you guys love Carson Wentz. So let's just go ahead and hope he stays healthy and we'll move past him and talk about the running back position where I get to kind of poke a little fun at you guys now. Uh, because if you recall, back before the draft, we had a discussion about – actually, it might have been even after because talking about Miles Sanders and where he landed and how his 
opportunity would be divided among this backfield with Jordan Howard showing up. They still have Corey Clement and Darren Sproles is now back for one more season. He's another ageless wonder in kind of a different category. Um, but you guys are kind of showing me here with your projections that Jordan Howard is going to be the ground guy for the most part. And then they're going to kind of go back to Miles Sanders for groundwork, but mostly more receiving uh, chops. Why did you guys kind of dial back on your original prediction that Miles Sanders would be the guy here? Um, I don't, I can't honestly at this point remember what my thought process was or where I was at on Sanders coming right out of the draft because I, he was my favorite running back in the class. So I was really excited. And then he came here where I feel like there's a lot of question marks and I can't remember how much it affected my thought process, but I can tell you where I am now, which is that and we talked about this somewhat recently. Jordan Howard is very good at running the football. He's not good at anything else, but he's very good at running the football. And Doug Peterson has... Okay, so there's there's two narratives going around with, with the Eagles' backfield right now. One is, Doug Peterson doesn't want to use an RB1. He, he never uses an RB1. He wants to mix it up. <laughs> and then everyone who responds to that by saying... You idiots! He's never had a good running back. Of course he doesn't like to use an RB1. So it's going to be all Miles Sanders. How dumb can you be? Here's the problem. Jordan Howard is also a very good running back. So he's gone from 0 to 2 instead of 0 to 1. If it had been 0 to 1, Sanders, I think, could dominate. But the way that Jordan Howard is going to is gonna lead, I think, lead this team in rush attempts. But even if it's not the lead, it's going to be close between those two. And then also bringing back Sproles, which is severely going to cut into Sanders' reception workload. We, we hit on that on a, on a previous pod, and I end up, after projecting them, having them for the same number of receptions. It really does hurt Sanders for me. I still think he's going to be very effective, but I don't think he's going to get the workhorse workload we would like. Yeah, I, I pretty much echo that. Uh, entire you know statement there um, there are two opinions out there I tend to fall in the middle because I do think Miles Sanders is the future for this team I think they use him but I don't think they use him to his full capabilities this season um, a few episodes ago we had talked about how ridiculous this Darren Sproul signing is because of the depth chart literally eight running backs as of the recording of this episode are on the roster Um I want to believe that Miles Sanders is the future of this team, and I think he is. But for this season, the writing's on the wall. Uh, they're going to use Darren Sproles in the passing game. Jordan Howard has been, I think, top five in rushing yards in the past three seasons, or something like that, in, in terms of that stat. And and so we have to respect that. Like He is effective. He's a good runner. They're going to use him. Um, I think that caps Miles Sanders, not only from rushing, but when you look at what Darren Sproles is going to do in passing, it definitely caps Miles Sanders. So... In Dynasty, still love this guy, but in 2019, we definitely have to temper our expectations. Yeah, so let's talk 2019 redraft price here. Uh, these guys, even in the last couple of weeks, have fluttered within about a pick of each other. So going in like the middle, late seventh round, approximately, maybe maybe early eighth, uh, Miles Sanders has started to pull ahead, but let's just say they're about the same. Gun to your head right now, half point per reception, which running back would you take? Is it still Miles Sanders? Yes, it is for me only by 15 fantasy points over the course of the entire season, just according to my full like projections right now. But if they're going right next to each other, I'll take the guy I'm a little bit higher on from just a pure point standpoint. But yeah, that's for me in the range of 30s, low 30s, 30 to 33, basically. Among yep. running backs. Yep, same for me. I would go Sanders in that situation. Okay. All right, let's move over to their wide receiver core. We have Alshon Jeffrey coming back. Nelson Aguilar is still there. They picked up Deshaun Jackson, and then they drafted J.J. Arthaga-Whiteside. Mm. That's right. Nailed that pronunciation. Um, <laughs> they've got a lot of good receivers, to be perfectly honest. And I think Jeffrey's still the one here, but not as definitively as he has been previously. And I don't think any receiver here is going to be super reliable. Um, do you guys agree or disagree with that? Tell me your thoughts uh, on this receiving core. I agree, actually, quite a lot. Um, I do have him leading the team in targets uh, and receptions, for that matter, and yards and touchdowns across the board. <laughs> I, I have him leading the team, but not anywhere close to true wide receiver one numbers. 
because I do believe in Aguilar out of the slot. I do believe in Deshaun Jackson on the deep ball. I do believe that J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is kind of the next Jeffrey, which means maybe more than anyone, he's going to eat into Jeffrey's role a little bit. Um, I have him coming down with three touchdowns, which isn't that much, but if that's you know two to three of Jeffrey's touchdowns going his way, that, that hurts a lot. Um, so he is the lead guy for me, but he still falls outside my wide receiver two range right now. Yeah, Okada, I'm I'm looking at our projections here side by side. Um, it's kind of creepy how close we have these guys uh, <laughs> in terms of their targets, the receptions, their yardage, touchdowns. Uh, we we pretty much agree on this across the board. Um, I do think Alshon Jeffrey is, you know, I'll, I'll put air quotes around it, wide receiver one for this team. But like Kent said, um, it's going to switch week to week in terms of who's the best fantasy player. Um, I love Deshaun Jackson's ability to stretch the defense. I think he has some very big splash weeks. So best ball, love me some D-Jax. But I think this really just comes back to, for me, this team really is two positions that I want to, want to have on my team. Uh, it's Carson Wentz at the quarterback, and it's Zach Ertz at tight end. Good transition point here on Zach Ertz. I think I'm actually quite a bit less... Um, gung-ho about Zach Ertz in 2019 than you guys both are. You both have him, well, let's just say around 1,000 yards and eight receiving touchdowns. I don't think he gets close to that, to be perfectly honest. I'd probably have him, yeah, I'd probably have him more in like the 800 range, uh, low 800s and maybe six or seven receiving touchdowns. With the emergence of Dallas Goder, I mean, his his role's going to step up a little bit here, and they have, you know, more receivers, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, is a touchdown guy as well. You know, he's known for that. He's already made some splash plays uh, at mini camps and stuff. So the touchdown potential is going to be going down for Ertz. And like we've been talking about, um, the ball is going to be spread around a lot. So they don't have a reason to really hone in on Ertz like they did last year. Uh, we kind of talked about this in the Redshirts Patreon chat that I think right now in Dynasty is a great sell high time for Zach Ertz. I've already done it. Uh, in one league, in one dynasty league, and um, I would do it. Uh, I don't think I own him anywhere else, but I would and on any team I can afford uh, to move him for some some good value right now. Um. All right. Well, here's what I've done, Kent. I have taken one touchdown from Zach Ertz while you were talking, and given it to JJ Arcega Whiteside because I decided oh. I was wavering between six and seven, and I, I had it at six for a while actually. I've dropped him back down to six from where I had him at seven. And I glanced over at my tight end projections, and that means Evan Ingram hops Zach Ertz from a pure point standpoint. We talked about Evan Ingram on the last pod. I'm really high on him in a half PPR. I am currently now projecting Ingram above Ertz. I don't know if I'll draft him there, but live updates. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Breaking news. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Betts, how do you feel about this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Zach Ertz is is certainly a sell high candidate in dynasty. I agree with you there. You know, you, we were just talking about it in the Patreon chat that we have going on for our Slack channel. Um, it, what he did last season was an outlier. So if you're drafting Ertz to do what he did last season, I think you're going to be disappointed. Um, but I still think that in the grand scheme of things, the tight end landscape, he finishes top three. The relationship that Wentz and Ertz have is just uh too good you know the chemistry these guys have is too good to not be north of like 950 receiving yards and six or seven touchdowns so i think that's his floor i don't think he gets to the you know a thousand plus that he had last season you know beyond maybe a hair over which i have him at um i think he regresses certainly this season but i would still bank on earth being a top three because of what Carson Wentz and Zach Hertz have shown over the course of his career. All right, well, that's a good stopping point there. Uh, let's let's wrap up this pod talking about the Dallas Cowboys. A lot of stuff going on with this team right now, so let's jump right into it. Uh, starting at the QB position, Dak Prescott looking for a new deal sometime in the near future here, but uh, apparently so is Zeke Elliott. So there's a whole bunch of drama going on right now. Zeke has not shown up to camp, but as far as... Um, Dak goes and his production. Do you do you think first of all he's a quarterback that they should be looking to use long term and paying like a starting quarterback? Do you think he's that talented? Yes, I 100 percent do. I'm not going to shy away from this. 
I think Dak Prescott is a well above average, not great. Okay, he's below the great tier, but he's a well above average quarterback. He has won games for them. He has brought them back, honestly, in fourth quarter situations a lot. I think I can't remember exactly. I wish I should because I'm a professional researcher, but I believe he has the highest fourth quarter passer rating since he came into the league of any quarterback. So even more than from a fantasy standpoint, I think he helps this team win and they should pay him. Um, but even also from a fantasy standpoint, I really, really like him. He's projected right now as my number eight quarterback. So, yes, please. Yeah, Dak is criminally undervalued. Uh, I think not only across the NFL landscape, but also when you talk about fantasy, I mean, the guy has not finished outside as a, a QB1 in his career. Um, and now he has Amari Cooper. So, I do think he is in for another really solid season, like Okada said. Do I think he's great and amongst the elite? No, I definitely don't, but he certainly is a very good quarterback who is going to be winning a lot of games, and, and I think he's he's undervalued. Okada, you said you had him at, what, 8 or 9? Uh, 8, yes. Eight, and I've got him at 10, so for me, I'm right there with you. Uh, I like Dak a lot this year, especially at his price. Yeah, and I even just glanced at the numbers, and I have him for five rushing touchdowns this season, which is a heinously low number considering he gets six every single year. Three straight years he's gotten six. But I, I was like, mm, you know, I'm just going to take a little bit away because I don't want to be too crazy. You know, just give him a little bump. <laughs> if I gave that touchdown back to him on the ground, he would be my number six quarterback. Just one touchdown on the ground. That's how tight everything is up at the top. And that's how much yeah. I believe in Dak Prescott. The quarterback situation for this year is really awesome. I love the value on Dak right now. There's tons of guys in that range that I love as well. I've talked about that a few times when I was back on the pod. But uh, I think I have him like 80% owned on, on my play draft uh, drafts right now. So I, I obviously love him. Uh, good rushing floor to some degree. And uh, yeah, he's, he's got some help around him. But we're not sure if he's going to have the help of Ezekiel Elliott. Or right mm. now, are you guys just do you guys feel like he's going to play? Is that where you're at right now? Yes. I believe he yeah. will pay. I pay. I believe he will play because I believe he will get paid. Uh, we haven't really touched on this in too much detail. This season? Yeah. yeah right now. Right. I think he'll get paid first of this trio, of the new triplets. Wow. wow. Yeah. Interesting. We, th so this is another one of those moments where I have, you know, sitting at the NFL Network in meetings for shows, can kind of, I learn a few things that I might not have. And we were talking in a recent meeting, uh, and I forget honestly what the what the talent was that was on the show, but they were basically saying, Zeke Elliott, they intend to entirely revolve the offense around him, which they basically have been doing, but potentially even more. They have a new OC in Kellen Moore, and Jason Garrett's entering basically a contract year as a head coach. Both of them are going to want to rely on their most talented player, and that's Zeke. And he knows that. And that gives him a little bit of leverage that you would think he wouldn't have based off how many years he has left and the struggles that he's had off the field and things like that. But they cannot afford to enter the season without him. So I think that he will get paid. I think he will be the highest paid running back in the league. I think he deserves to be the highest paid running back in the league from a on-the-field perspective at least. There may be some clauses built into his contract that say, if you act a fool, you're not getting paid. But as long as, <laughs> as long as he's there, he's going to be the most valuable running back in the entire National Football League, and I think he will therefore get paid for it and be starting the season. Does does he report before August 6th? Because that's, that's the question everyone has uh, as far as his contract, because obviously he's under contract, and there are fines if he does not report before then. So with your projection of them paying him, does it get done soon, or is this a situation that you see unfolding where we're just – continuing to ask this question come mid to late august i'm gonna go with august 9th at 9 p.m bets eastern <laughs> standard time <laughs> that will be the moment of signing so he will pay one fine and then they will say oh my gosh he's really willing to hold out uh let's sign him now and they will do it that's interesting i mean he's you know the leading rusher i think the last two years last year he really stepped up his receiving game as well He's certainly valuable. Uh, there's an argument to be made about the value of the running back position in general, but that's for another day, so we'll leave that one alone for now. Um, I think he gets paid, but I think he gets paid next year. I, yeah, Two years out just seems like a weird time to wait out on a deal, so I think they'll come to an agreement that, hey, buddy, if you just play, we'll pay you next year, but we're not going to pay you two years out. 
So I guess we'll sit back and see. But if he plays, you know he's top three running back, and I think it's as simple as that. Number one for me, by the way. Talking about the what? Yeah, me too. I believe I still have him up there, but and me as well across the board. Oh, look, look at, at that! Man. In agreement. I love to see it. Talking about the wide receivers for the Dallas Cowboys, uh, I think he's Dak Prescott. That is has had some improvement here in his receiving options. Um, Amari Cooper got traded for last year. They also signed Randall Cobb, who I think is probably better than Cole Beasley. Um, and then they still have Michael Gallup coming into his game a little bit. And then Tavon Austin. Uh, uh, actually, no Alan Hearns. I mm, see true. he is cur- currently projected, but he is no longer with them. Uh, now plays for Jacksonville Jaguars. But Amari Cooper. Is that right? No. Yes. <laughs> he used to play for the Jaguars. What What did I Oh, yeah, I just screwed that up again. We'll that All right. <laughs> he, anyway, bottom line, he's not on the Dallas Cowboys. So let's talk about the top receiver here, Amari Cooper. You both have him projected for a really solid season, um, approximately 1,050 receiving yards and seven touchdowns you both have him at. Where are you willing to stick your neck out and draft Amari Cooper? Are you willing to commit to Amari Cooper as your top two wide receiver? I, I'll, this, I'll, uh, I'll speak to this, Okada, while you <laughs> think about it. Because I, th- I feel like you're going to say something that you don't want to say. <laughs> Based <laughs> off what your initial reaction was there. Um, I'm not drafting Amari Cooper. I'm just going to be honest with that. Unless he falls to the back of round three or in some crazy scenario round four where you just can't say no, I don't want Amari Cooper on my team. I mean, he's been too much of a yo-yo player where he splashes and has huge weeks and then has these weeks where he just lets you down. I love consistency in my lineup. I don't want him to lose me a week. Um, So for me, while I think he finishes as a borderline wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two, come season's end, I just don't want to go on that roller coaster ride. So I'm I'm out on Amari Cooper, honestly. I'm going to let someone else deal with the headache that he usually presents in fantasy. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm pretty much just going to go ahead and sidle right up alongside and echo that bets because I have him projected out as wide receiver 18. He's going higher than that around the wide receiver 14 right now. So he'd have to fall for me to be really interested, honestly, and probably into that fourth round range, like you said. There are guys in that range that I would still take over him. Um, so it's more likely than not that I will not end up with any Amari Cooper. I would so much rather have Julian Edelman that it's not even funny, and they're going around the same place. Yeah, not to mention I think there's, in terms of draft position here, I think there's running backs I'd rather have around this spot uh, as well than, you know, talking about earlier that that wide receiver three range where I think you can get some upside guys that doesn't really exist as much with the running backs. So I'm, I'm a lot more willing to to draft running backs in the first couple of rounds. So That's a good call. that would make me shy away from Amari Cooper as well. Do you, do you think Michael Gallup could emerge as a decent starting option here for fantasy purposes? I do. Yeah. I have him right now as a wide receiver, really low wide receiver four. But I think he could have plenty of flex value in and out uh, throughout the season. I have him second on the team in targets behind Cooper with 95, which is pretty solid, um, and 825 yards, which is also quite solid. He looked pretty good at the end of last year. I think he's a good player. Um, so we'll, we'll see how much of a step forward he can take. If he really takes a, a step forward, he could be much higher than this, honestly. But I, for me, he falls kind of in that. Uh, late wide receiver four range, maybe around the ninth or eighth, ninth, tenth round, somewhere in that area. Yeah, I, I mostly agree with that. You know, I think I think there's a scenario where Gallup is a starting player in your lineup. I don't know that he is consistent in that aspect, though. I'll say that um, I think we'll talk about him probably on some shows upcoming when the season gets closer, where we say, you know, we want him as a flex play, or maybe he's a wide receiver three. Um, I do think he takes a step forward. I just don't know that in 2019 it's consistent enough to warrant um, confidence in Gallup, but I, I definitely do think he takes a step forward for sure this year. Yeah, and then you know beyond him, Randall Cobb I think is just gonna kind of be uh, reliably mediocre. <laughs> is the best way I can think to describe yep. it. He'll probably have some like 40, 50 yard weeks and then not a lot of touchdowns. So not really someone you're really excited about, uh, but could be a good option as far as the offense goes. Uh, on the tight end side, 
Jason Witten, right? He was really good for a long time. Let's draft him. Uh, you know, except no. <laughs> here's the thing. I came into projecting Jason Witten being like, I have just get out of my face, Jason Witten. I don't even <laughs> want to give you any numbers. And to be fair, he's not anywhere useful in my tight end rankings, but uh, he's going to get targets and catches. He's Jason Witten. He's very reliable. He's going to get a lot of third down targets and just fall right over the first down line like he's supposed to do. He's not going to be very useful for fantasy, so I'm not interested, really. Unless you utterly, massively super punt, and you don't want to go for an upside guy like Dallas Goddard, or Godare, if you say it Kent's way. Um, Godare. Godare. I'd probably rather have someone like that that can give me upside, but if you utterly punt and you just need a guy who's going to get you five half PPR fantasy points a week, eh, it might be a little higher than that, actually. But I would maybe look at him. Super, super, super late, but the, I, I don't recommend that strategy. <laughs> yep, 100% agree with that. It's This is a situation where it helps Dak Prescott and it helps the offense keep the chains moving. Yep. Outside of that, um, not much fantasy value to be had here with Witten. No, not at all. Uh, there's tons of guys I'd rather have, uh, if not a reliable early guy, a upside late guy, because Witten is neither, so uh, I'm just probably not going to draft him, and it's as simple as that. So... That's going to wrap up the NFC East in this divisional series. We've had a pleasure talking about these guys, breaking down the projections of Betts and Okada. Um, gentlemen, do we have anything else to add before we wrap this one up? Uh, I don't think so. I believe the Norths will be next because alphabets, you know, and comes after <laughs> E among NESW. So if you are uh, looking forward to some... AFC or NFC North projections, which I think is honestly going to be a lot more exciting. Oh, and Kent's yeah, Minnesota I, Vikings. Oh, I'm, in, are I'm in there. very excited. Yeah, we started with the Patriots, so, so you got That's to be a true. homer. Now we did mm-hmm. the, the Eagles, and Bet's got to be a homer. So I want to be a homer for a little bit, you know? Plus, we get to cover the Browns, which were all Browns homers. So Ooh, it's a triple That's a good win. point. All right, well. That's going to do it. So thank you for listening to the Divisional Series. This time was the NFC East. Uh, I'm Kent Wyrock. You can find me at Kent Wyrock on Twitter. Um, the other guys are Matt Okada is at Matt Okada. And Betts is at the Fantasy PT. Um, thank you for listening to this episode. We'll catch you on the next one. Once again, we are the Red Shirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.